Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, hey everyone. How are we today? Somebody pointed out I said, how are we? And I don't think I ever realized that I say that. They're like, that's your opening line. Oh my God, people emailing me lines that I say for merch idea. First of all, it's all very funny. I really appreciate it, but... I don't realize how much I say, like what I say. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, I guess I do say that a lot. Like, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there were definitely certain ones where I was like, fuck, do I say that? I'm like, yeah, I guess I do say that. Oh gosh. Anyway, hi, how are we? Um, Yeah, I've had a million and a half people ask me to talk about Josh Duggar in the Josh Duggar news. I talked about that on my Patreon. It's the first of the month. Well, it's the second when you hear this. It's a good time to sign up for Patreon anyway. I don't want to bring that content on the main feed anyway. It's just sick and depressing and gross. But if you want to hear me rant about that, you can sign up for my Patreon. Last week's episode was the Sister Wives finale. And this week I'm going to be recapping a documentary called Tabloid that I haven't seen before. I haven't watched yet. So if you want to join my Patreon please do. I think then I have an intervention episode and then I'm not sure where I'm going from there. So if you are interested, go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. You can find the link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram is feathers underscore pod. Come join me there. So what's happening? Okay, first of all, like right after I recorded last week, Mackenzie went on Instagram live and like flipped the fuck out. I, it makes even less sense now that I watched the reunion, what she flipped out about, because in my opinion, she actually, okay, I want to say this correctly. (laughs) She didn't come off well, right? Like, you guys know Mackenzie McKee is like my number one hate target right now. Like, I do not like that woman. But if I was watching this in a vacuum, I would say, okay, that was fine. Like, if I didn't really know the what she posted, who she is as a person, her history, and I didn't know anything else, I'd be like, okay, like, I guess, like, she apologized, she acknowledged her privilege, she gave, well, MTV gave platform to a organization. I haven't done any research on that organization, so I actually, I was going to say a good organization, but I actually don't know that to be true. I'm, I would guess they probably are. But I don't know for sure because I haven't done my own research into it. But all things considered, like, it it was an okay apology. I think that MTV was actually quite generous in the way that they handled this. Like, actually extremely generous in the way that they handled this. They allowed her to humble herself without humiliating herself. Um, I personally don't think that this was sufficient at all because I think she should have been made to answer for the actual fucking post because once again as you guys know I'm so sick of her focusing in on the word colored like that was the main offensive thing because that wasn't the main offensive thing the main offensive thing was the entire post that she shared and why she felt that she should be speaking on this and like the fact that she is a hardcore Trumper, like that, those are the things that I think we should be talking about. Like, yes, of course, we should be talking about her calling 
somebody, anybody, a colored woman. Like, of course, that's an important conversation. And I actually thought they did a pretty good job explaining on the show why she shouldn't use that. I have had some um, non-American listeners ask what the problem with that word is. I think that's fair. I think if you don't live in America, it might not be as obvious. But so just a quick rundown is that colored is, first of all, like an extremely dated term. It is not used anymore. It defines the person by the color of their skin. So like the way that we use it's like the opposite of first person language, right? Like you're a colored person instead of person of color. So, it, but the really bad thing is that it really represent, represents like the segregated South because the way that um, it was classified was like white people versus colored people. And I'm sure you've all seen those signs, like no colored people allowed, that type of thing. So it's really closely associated with segregation, which is part of why it's so bad. And guys, it is dated. I very clearly remember on Real World New Orleans, which was what, 2001, 2000? Was New Orleans before Chicago? New Orleans might have been in the late 90s. Like it might have been pre-2000s, but if not, it's like pre-2001, 2002. Very long time ago, 20 plus years ago. Um, Julie, the Mormon girl who went to BYU, called Melissa a colored person, or she said something like, that colored person. And Melissa was like, did you just say colored person? Did you really just say that? Like that, it was shockingly outdated for somebody to say that in 2000. So if that gives you an idea for my non-American listeners of like how outdated that term is, but really the worst part about it is that it's just so segregated or just so representative of like the segregated South. And it's just, it's not an acceptable term to use anymore. It's not acceptable to call somebody a colored person. We don't, it is, not in our vernacular. So for Mackenzie to have heard somebody use that term means that she is hanging out with all 80-year-olds or like really, really racist people. And I mean, Mackenzie's parents are young. Like, I don't think Mackenzie spends that much time around people that are not aware that that word is dated. But let's be real. All old people who use that term know it's fucking dated. They just don't care. You know, we're always like, well, they're old. Like, they don't know any better. Like, they know better. They live on planet Earth. They watch the news. They listen to the change of language in TV shows and the way that they speak with one another. You know, it's, they know. They know what they're doing. They just don't care to change. But I don't even think it's that with Mackenzie. I think that she, like her, like I said, I think Mackenzie's mom was 51 when she died. So Mackenzie's parents are very young. I mean, that's only 20 years older than I am. Like that is, that is, there's no way her parents were like saying color. Like it would not have been acceptable for her parents to be saying is what I'm saying. It wouldn't have been acceptable for my parents to be saying it. Um, And I, so for her to hear that word from anyone is, a major red flag, but I personally don't think she necessarily heard it. I believe her when she said she thought that's how you're supposed to say woman of color because she's a fucking idiot. She's an idiot. And so in general, I thought the way that MTV, I guess we'll just talk about Mackenzie now. There's not that much news and like all of the news of the week has to do with the reunion. So like there's some stuff with um Macy that I have to rant about, but I'll just do that when I talk about Macy's part of the reunion. By the way, these reunions were actually pretty good, question mark. <laughs> Except I will be honest, I um, fast forwarded through 
the part, actually the end. I turned this off after like 50 minutes. I did not watch that segment with the dads. As soon as I started talking, I was like, oh, I'm not interested in this. Not one bit at all. Do not care at all. How, like once I had Josh congratulating Zach on being a father and asking Josh how he thinks Zach will be as a dad, I don't think Josh and Zach have ever met one another. <laughs> it was so weird. I was like, Josh, Josh's opinion on Zach being a dad of all people, because Mackenzie wasn't on Cheyenne's first season when Zach would have been around. Did Zach even go to the first, that first season reunion? I don't think he did because Cheyenne was already hooking up with Corey by the point of that reunion. I remember that reunion that they had had sex the night before, but Corey like wouldn't admit to liking her, want to be with her, even though she clearly wanted to be with him. I don't think Zach was there for that. It's possible he was. Let's be real. Like none of us need to remember these reunions like that. I don't think Zach has met any of them. (laughs) Who, if he's not at the reunions, when would he have met the other dads? Because those are really the only time the men see each other is at the reunions. So I don't think any of them have ever met Zach. So I think it's fine for them to be like, congratulations. I think it's quite silly to ask Taylor, like, and Josh how they think Zach will be as a father. <laughs> also, like, what are you going to say? Like, I think he'll be real shitty. I th- Here's the deal. What if Taylor had just been like, look, I think they rushed into it. They went too fa- They should have slowed down. There's no reason that they need to go so fast. Oh, Zach and um, Cheyenne got engaged. That happened after I recorded last week's episode, I think, at their baby sprinkle. Have any Has anybody seen pictures from these baby sprinkles? My understanding of a sprinkle is that it's the baby shower-like event that you have for your second child, especially if it's like a different sex on the first child. Gifts aren't really encouraged. It's just a way for like family and friends to come together to celebrate and, you know, God forbid your boy wears girls clothes. God forbid. Um, I mean, I'm a shopaholic. So if I had kids, my, I would be getting boys clothes. Like I, I mean, I would be doing hand-me-downs, but I would also be buying a ton of shit. I'm not, (laughs) please, please understand that I love to shop and buy things. But The idea of a sprinkle is that it's supposed to be a lot more low-key than a baby shower, but I think personally, I think they basically turned into full-blown showers, and Cheyenne's looked like a full-blown baby shower. I mean, she had one of those huge balloon arches, everybody was there. I guess it's just tacky to call it a baby shower, so you just still call it a sprinkle, even though that's not what it is. I also hate that term, baby sprinkle. I understand a sprinkle versus a shower. I do get that. I just think it's weird. (laughs) I feel like if you're going to have a second baby shower, just have a second baby shower. Is it tacky to have a second baby shower? Sure. I mean, popular convention would say yes, because the idea is it's like rude to ask people to come to events of yours like that twice because and to ask them to give you gifts twice. Although I think that's kind of dated too. I think we've kind of moved into a world where we do multiple celebrations for things, you know, like people have big second weddings now. They have full-blown formal second weddings. They have second baby showers. Like, I don't really think it's tacky to have a second baby shower, so you might as well just have one. I think it's kind of tacky to pretend like you're not having a baby shower. (laughs) 
<laughs> and call it a baby sprinkle, but then still have it be a full-blown baby shower. But Zach and Cheyenne got engaged there. So mazel tov to them. I told you I thought that they would be engaged before the baby came. I kind of wonder if they're going to do a quick elopement. I think they should. Well, I don't think they should because of like moral reasons or anything. I just think Cheyenne really wants to be married to Zach. So they should just go down to the Justice of the Peace and then have a party later. Okay. Um, so where was I? How did I get here? Oh, the reunion was actually kind of good question mark. So Mackenzie apparently was told by MTV that they weren't going to show the actual comment that she said. Now, I don't know why MTV would agree to that. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And really, they did not show the worst of it. So, but she was apparently very mad at it. So she went on Instagram live and Basically, she had, according to Mackenzie, this is like a, a rough summary. She, as soon as she figured out like what she did wrong and was getting called out, she wanted to immediately apologize. MTV was like, hold the fucking phone. You're not allowed to say anything. No, 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 no. You can't say anything. Which does make sense because I remember when this happened, the only like apology we saw from her was her DMing somebody and that person like sent the DM to one of the like Instagram accounts, like Teen Mom Shade Room or whatever it is. And I was like, why the fuck is she apologizing in direct message? So I get it. She, she says she was mad about that. I can understand that. I think that MTV should have probably let her get online and at least like put a public apology up and not just like sit on it. But I think the reason they did that is because they know Mackenzie's a dum-dum. What they should have done is she should have posted an Instagram post and turned off comments, right? And just been like, I'm deeply sorry. MTV could have approved it. I get why she was annoyed by that. Sure. At the same time, though, like, I think MTV was trying to damage control this and trying to figure out a way to make this okay and not have to fire Mackenzie for these comments. So according to Mackenzie, after this happens, she spends like a month working with different organizations before MTV would let her say anything, which is funny. It's funny that they're like, oh my God, you're so stupid. Like you can't say a word until you've been through like intense sensitivity training. She claims that she talked to Cheyenne on the phone like shortly after this happened. She and Cheyenne had this great conversation. Cheyenne was like really forgiving of her and explained a bunch to her. And Mackenzie gets off the phone thinking like, oh, everything's okay. Everything's good. And then something happens and Cheyenne no longer wants to speak with her. Now, my question is, what happened? Like, Mackenzie's basically implying that Cheyenne then spoke with an MTV producer and they turned Cheyenne against her. I have questions about that. One, I have questions about, like, how beautiful this phone call Mackenzie had really was. (laughs) If Cheyenne hung up from that phone call and was like, I don't want to talk to that dum-dum anymore. But Mackenzie's like, Cheyenne and I get along really well. I can see that happening. I also wonder if Cheyenne was only kind of told about the colored comment. They have this conversation and then she gets off and then she sees like the actual post that Mackenzie posted. She sees all of the Trump supporting stuff. She sees the stuff that Mackenzie has said about Native Americans and was like, oh, fuck this. Because I think that that's probably a real thing that happens, right? Like you find out a little bit of information and you're like, okay, that's bad. But like, we can work with this. I'm willing to work through it. This person is a coworker. I want this to be civil. I 
I actually, like, I don't know, maybe Cheyenne actually likes Mackenzie. So she's like, I like Mackenzie. I'm willing to take the time out of my day to, like, speak with her about this. And you think, like, okay, so you explain that thing. You think everything's okay. And then you see, like, it's so much more than that. I kind of think that's probably what happened. I also think it's very possible Mackenzie just, like, totally misread this conversation. But Mackenzie is, like, livid at MTV for this. She's like, I can't believe MTV just let me sit there and think that I was racist. I needed to, um, I needed to be the one that, like, apologized and MTV made me just sit around and not say anything. And she also says this about Cheyenne. She says, MTV is working with her to use this as a storyline. What she's doing is amazing. And now I'm part of that storyline that racism exists. And it's taking my name down. Do I love Cheyenne? 100%. It's very obnoxious, or excuse me, it's very obvious that she's cutting me off. It's very obvious that she'll tweet the other girls back. My name is being used in ways that it shouldn't be. Uh, what? Here's actually what happened. So, sorry, I'm like pulling up this article now. Here's straight from the horse's mouth. Okay, I called her and it was a beautiful conversation. She didn't have to answer the phone. It's not her responsibility to educate me. It's our responsibility to know our privilege. It's my fault. And I'm taking full responsibility for my word mix up. Okay, once again, she's taking responsibility for her word mix up. She's taking responsibility for saying a colored woman. She's not taking responsibility for the post itself. I want to find that post itself. Hold, please. We're going to reread that post so it's fresh in our minds. Of course, I don't have it fully screenshot. The picture, the image of she shares is Kamala Harris is not a role model model for my daughters. Then there was an entire post that was quite long with like really just bullshit, awful, disgusting things. Might have been posted on Reddit. Okay, I found it. This is the post she shared. Kamala Harris is not a role model for my daughters with a stop sign post, stop sign emoji, hand up emoji, laughing emoji. And it says, sorry, no. There are a lot of amazing women in this world for my daughters to look up to and see as role models. Kamala Harris is not one of them. Where do I even begin? Kamala Harris claimed that she believes daughters. She stated she believed those that said Biden sexually assaulted them, then turned around and chose to be his running mate. Turning a blind eye to sexual assault of someone's daughter is not a quality I would like in a role model for mine. I Trumpers acting like they care about this is so beyond for me. Okay, number two. Kamala Harris agreed that my daughters could be chopped up into pieces before they were born if I didn't want them. That's a way to talk about abortion. Chopped up into pieces. Mackenzie shared a post accusing Kamala Harris of saying it's okay to chop babies up into pieces. Okay. Number three, sleeping with married men to get to the top. I wonder how Willie Brown's wife, also someone's daughter, is experiencing this moment today. I'd like my daughters to know that women of every color and creed can accomplish greatness without spreading their legs. Okay, first of all, it's not fucking true. He had been separated from his wife for like 10 plus years before she even got with him. It is a crazy accusation. This is what Mackenzie thought it was okay to share. That Kamala Harris got to where she is because she fucked somebody. Number four, this woman already introduced legislation to take the right to choose vaccine status away from my daughter before she is even in office. How do I tell my daughter to look up to somebody who does not want them, want to allow them medical freedom and could potentially put them in danger? Okay. Number five, no one convinced me that the Democratic president that lost the minority vote somehow got more votes than any other president in history. I don't want my daughters to think cheating to win is acceptable. 
I I literally don't know what that means. <laughs> I I know this is something to do with voter fraud, but I don't get what this person means when they say no one convinced me that the Democratic president that lost the minority vote. I I mean Biden won the popular vote and the electoral college. So I don't I don't know what that means. Um okay. Six, Kamala Harris locked up more black men than any other politician in history, some of which had daughters who grew up to be fatherless for some of the same acts she admits doing herself. That is a conversation to be had, not by this bitch. I really, it goes back to the sexual assault thing, right? Where it's like, you don't actually care about this, so don't weaponize it as a way to like attack somebody when you don't actually care about it. Um, okay, so it says, I want my daughters to know that they can absolutely do anything in the world that they sell that they set their mind to, but not because they were born female. They will earn it with an intelligence, grit, hard work, dedication, class, and honesty. And those kind of women who will be called role models for my daughters, not just anyone with lady parts and an agenda. That's what Mackenzie shared. That is so beyond inappropriate. Not only does she think that it's okay in a comment, you know, she thinks it's okay to dictate, um, who should be a role model for black children, uh, <laughs> all children of color. But she went on to say that she um, was scared to use the word black, which is why she said colored. So not only does Mackenzie think that she has a right to speak on that, she shared a post accusing Kamala Harris of only having success because she fucked her way to the top. She accused, she shared a post accusing Kamala Harris of chopping of saying it's okay to chop up babies in that post the woman talks about being classy and intelligent and honest so saying like the role models her daughters look up to will be those things implies Kamala Harris is not those things that is a fucked up post to share so not only are you sharing such a fucked up post you are then also being racist like in the comments so you're not just sharing the racist post you're also participating in the racism well Sharing the post is participating in the racism, but you're furthering the racism by making racist statements yourself. So maybe Cheyenne saw that fucking post and was like, I don't want to be friends with this bitch. (laughs) I don't care for her. I could maybe understand that she's an idiot and she doesn't know what's right to say. Maybe I could understand that. But what I can't understand is why she thought it was okay to share a post like that. If I was Cheyenne, I think I would feel that way. I would feel duped. I'd be pissed. I'd be like, wait, I didn't mean to, like, I was not operating with full information here. You know, I think that's probably how Cheyenne felt. And then the one other thing that I wanted to comment on is, so, of course, she says this, and then a bunch of comments in her post are talking about shit on Cheyenne, right? How could they not be? So there's this one comment that's like, I can't believe shy, angry emotion, having a beautiful conversation one day and then change it the next. Screw that. I'm a firm believer in karma and the day will come when the shit knocks on her damn door. Mackenzie's response. Uh, well, she's responding to somebody else, but it's on, it's on this comment thread. It says she doesn't. It wasn't a jab at her. Not my point. I'm being labeled as a racist to fit her storyline, but that is not her fault. She chose to cut me off because she believes I am racist, but I chose to call her and say I'm sorry. So I'm in the end. So in the end, it's my fault for bringing her into this. I pray she continues to speak up on racial injustice and gives white people room to grow when they want to. I wasn't one of them, but that's okay. She owes me nothing. Girl. 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 Okay, first of all, first of all, 
Mackenzie should have turned off comments to this fucking post. Mackenzie turns off comments all of the time. Anytime she has a post with Josh and people come in bashing him, she turns off comments. She knew that sharing this stuff would have people going after Cheyenne. She had to know that. And if she didn't know it, when she saw her comment section get flooded with people calling Cheyenne a bitch, um, she should have turned off her comment section. But she didn't. She gave space to these people to say these things. And then um, I love this, that she prays that Cheyenne continue to speak up on racial injustices and gives white people room to grow when they want to. Are you fucking kidding me? That's Cheyenne's job. You're praying that Cheyenne is giving white people room to grow when they want to. Mackenzie got on her fucking phone, took her little fingers, and actually typed that out, that she's praying for a black woman to make room to grow for white people. How can you be... Well, I know. I I know you can because you're a racist, ignorant piece of shit is how you feel about this. I, it's just, it's so mind-blowing to me that knowing all of this, like knowing the full actual post that she shared, plus her comments, plus seeing what she's saying on this Instagram live about Cheyenne and really truly throwing Cheyenne under the bus here and setting Cheyenne up for some bullshit for Mackenzie's fans and commenters. And Cheyenne already gets it like a hundred times worse than any of the other casts. I see it on fucking Reddit every day that everything that Cheyenne does, the rest of the cast is doing as well. And yet any like comment, any comment section with Cheyenne, it's all about how she doesn't follow COVID protocols, which is true. But then there'll also be a post like on Macy out dancing in a crowded bar. And every comment is like, oh my God, people like, what are people supposed to do? Just like not live their lives. Like we have to get back to the normal. She's not breaking any laws. It's legal there. Like that's the majority of the comments in Macy's. So that, that goes to show you the type of standard that Cheyenne's held to in the fandom anyway. And Mackenzie should be aware of that. Hyper aware of that after going through all of this. And she still is throwing Cheyenne under the bus. That's fucking bullshit to even bring that up. It's so shitty to bring that up. And then it's so shitty to do this passive aggressive thing of like, I really respect Cheyenne. Um, and I pray that she lets white people grow, even though I'm not one of them. That's totally, no, it's totally fine. It's totally fine that she doesn't do that. I, I'm not part of it, but like, I hope in the future she can. So really, fuck you, Mackenzie. Fuck you. She should be off the show as far as I'm concerned. I'm heated. I'm heated about this. Because then I watch this segment and I'm like, MTV makes her look like a fucking saint. The fact that she would get mad about what we see in the reunion is beyond. Because in the reunion, she actually, as I said, comes off pretty well because MTV edited this to her favor. They set her up with this organization. This woman that was very smart and kind came on and really, like, gave Mackenzie credibility to the bullshit that she was spewing. I'm not blaming this woman for that. That sounds weird. I want to like, but this woman like lent her time to MTV. I mean, I hope MTV paid her for it, but like she came on and allowed Mackenzie to act remorseful when she's not remorseful at all. Fuck Mackenzie McKay. Okay. I forgot to take a break. We'll take a break here. Okay, so that I'm not racist segment was just the first half of Mackenzie's segment. Then she has Josh come out. Well, they talk about, you know, their relationship. And this is such a weird segment. I, this was so weird, this whole thing. Josh was not feeling it. He did not want to participate in this. So Josh is there in Florida and they have such a weird exchange. So 
Drew is like, oh, so you're in Florida. Do you like it there? And Mackenzie's like, yeah, you know, I, I think we love it. I think we're here to stay. Um, Where is this? Sorry. Okay, so they talk about the cheating. Drew is like, Josh, can you bring up what Mackenzie accused you of? And Josh goes, well, you know, that was so long ago. I don't even, I don't even want to talk about it. And then passive aggressively, Dr. Drew is like, Mackenzie, do you remember what happened? <laughs> and she's like, I mean, I can't. I can't talk about it. I have family watching. I'll be in a lot of trouble. AK, like her family's mad at her for accusing her cousin of fucking Josh when it supposedly didn't even happen. I don't know. I'm sure it happened. They at least had an emotional affair. They at least had an an inappropriate relationship because Mackenzie didn't even really realize they were friends and they were sending each other hundreds of texts. That's inappropriate. Like if your spouse doesn't know that you are speaking to someone that much and you're being discreet about it and according to Mackenzie going to physically meet up with them without telling them that's really that's it's not okay it might not be cheating maybe they didn't have like maybe it wasn't emotionally intimate you know like maybe it wasn't romantic but it's not he was clearly lying to her because she was totally blindsided like I if I had a husband I found out they were texting Julia 100 times a week and I didn't even really know that they talked like that I would be like what the fuck <laughs> like wh- what <laughs> why are you and then I found out they like also met up like that would be weird it would be fucking weird and like on the same vein Julia's been married and she's been married for a really long time and it's somebody that we have been friends with since we were I don't know when did he come around to the short like 14 or 15 so I've known him for a very long time he's a friend of mine, like independent of Julia, but, and like the two of us, if I'm at the shore, like when Julia's at work, we hang out the two of us, we text or call the two of us, like plan to hang out. But like, we don't often talk. Like we're not like if, if I was like texting with him like a hundred times a week, Julia would be like, what the fuck? Like that is weird. That's fucking weird. Especially if her husband wasn't telling her that, you know what I mean? So it's not like, I'm saying that you can't, that Josh can't be friends with Mackenzie's cousin because that's not the case. But whatever was going on there was deceitful. And that's the problem. It's the deceit in it, right? And it's like, you do have to have respectful boundaries uh, with people that are married or in a relationship, in my opinion. Like, yeah, it's not my responsibility to like, it's Josh's responsibility, not the cousins necessarily, but like, if it's somebody that you care about, you have a responsibility to have appropriate boundaries with their spouse because you care about them. And why would you want to create issues in their marriage? One of my um really good friends from high school is a guy and he is married and I love his wife, but like the two of us, I'm like, I'm friendly with her through him, but like the two of us are not independent friends. And like, we hang out, the two, just me and my guy friend will go out to lunch, but like, I wouldn't, I'm very, like, aware of what I text him. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm very aware of, like, what we talk about because I really like his wife and I always want to be respectful towards her. And I wouldn't ever want to be a source of contention in their relationship. And I wouldn't be because I'm an appropriate person. You know what I mean? But I do think that, like, if you are in contact with somebody of either the opposite sex or the same sex, if you are queer like, and that person's in a relationship, like, you need to be respectful of their relationship and the things that you're saying. And I think that that's easy. 
if you're genuinely just friends with that person and you genuinely care about their spouse, it's a very easy way to live and an easy boundary to have and it shouldn't take you any effort. Like I'm saying, like, I'm aware of what I send my friend, but I also don't, I'm not worried that I'm going to cross the line because we've never crossed that line with each other and we never will. And I'm not, like, I'm just not worried about that, but I am aware of it because I'm a good person. And if Josh is obviously not a good person, Mackenzie McKee's cousin is obviously, has some sort of issue, but you shouldn't have to be looking at your husband's phone record and finding out that he's texting someone hundreds, thousands of times, and you didn't even know the two of them talked. So even if it's not romantic, it's inappropriate because it's lying, right? And they they have no trust for each other. The Mackenzie doesn't want to talk about it. And she basically is like, you know, it was really rough after my mom died. And I truly believe Josh would have fought and fought and fought to be there for me. And then there were these situations where I would check his phone record and see this and jump online and accuse him of cheating. (laughs) Girl, what she's saying is that her husband was straight up not being there for her after her mom died. Not only was he not being there for her after her mom died, he was being there for somebody else. Then she turns to Josh and she goes, you know, Josh, I'm going to let you have your own voice. To me, that sounds honestly almost like therapy talk. I wonder if the two of them are therapy. I highly doubt it. But um, maybe Mackenzie's in therapy by herself. I would hope so. I hope she's in therapy. But I would guess, and I think that this is a fight that they have, right? Like where Josh doesn't like the way that he's portrayed on TV and he kind of blames Mackenzie. And so she turns to him and she's like, okay, like, you know what? Let me not speak for you. Like, let me give you the chance to talk, which I think is good. I think that's the right thing that she should have done. I think she caught herself doing what makes Josh mad. And so she actually stopped it and tried to correct it, which is a hard thing to do. And I have, like, I uh, commend a person that is, like, actively trying to change their language and their behavior and they can catch themselves in the moment. It's something that I work really hard on doing. When I'm doing something, I, like, realize that it's not right. I try hard to stop and then course correct my behavior right away to change the way things are going and like that's what Mackenzie did and I think she did a good job there and then Josh was like well I have nothing to say about it and Mackenzie's like come on you have things to say about it and he goes stop giving them what they want Whoa, fucked up Josh is pissed he hates MTV he hates filming and Mackenzie's like I just don't get it this isn't the way that he is in real life he's just this way on camera I'm so frustrated because I just I just want him to talk and she's like I know that Josh is mad about this. And then they have this very bizarre back and forth in which basically Josh is like, I don't like being on camera. Every time I see Dr. Drew, he is an asshole to me and he like accuses me of stuff. And then he said, Josh is like, look, when you guys moved to Florida, I stayed in Oklahoma. I didn't want to film. And when he was like, when she left, we discussed this over and over again. And now people think I just followed her out there. And right away, Mackenzie's like, Josh, no one says you followed me out here. What? I'm sorry. Is Josh worried about looking pussy whipped that he moved to the place where his wife and children lived? Is Josh thinks that, what? I don't, I don't understand. Josh is upset and clearly he's upset about this. And I've talked about this because Mackenzie knew instantly what he was talking about. And I was having trouble following <laughs> But Mackenzie understood immediately what he was saying. Josh is mad that people think he followed her. That's your wife, dude. Your wife got a business opportunity and so you moved with her. That 
You're not following her. You're moving with your wife and children. Josh is a brained a little lump. Like, he's just a loaf. Josh just sits there and he doesn't, he's what I would call a party filler. And that, like, he just takes up space. You know, he doesn't add anything. He doesn't necessarily take away anything either. Party filler is a more neutral term in which a person is, they're fine. They're fine. Like, and there's nothing else to say about them. And they fill up space at your party. <laughs> That's kind of how I view Josh. Um, Josh is more of an asshole than the typical party filler is. But basically, he's just like, I hate being on camera and I don't want to do this. And Mackenzie's like, but they're trying to give you an opportunity to fix it. And he's like, no, they're not. Which, look, is Josh right about this? Yes, I get it. Okay. In a way, I get what Josh is saying because they definitely do make him look like the bad guy. Um, But at the same time, one, I think he is the bad guy a lot of the time. (laughs) I, I just think that's the truth. I also think that Josh doesn't film and Josh is fucking weird on camera. And Mackenzie, on the other hand, is like camera ready at all times, like, you know, always ready to go, ready for her close up, chat, 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 chat away on camera. So, yeah, we're only hearing Mackenzie's side of it. And if Josh wanted to put his side out there more, he could. Now, on one hand, like, I do feel for this because I think that'd be a frustrating position to be in, especially if your natural personality is not one that does well on camera, which I think is what happens with Josh. I think beyond everything else, I think he is shy and not good on camera, and that would be hard. But at the same time, like, you don't have to be on camera. And you could ask your wife to leave the show. Right? Like, you're living on this show. You know, they pretend like he works in construction. I'm never quite sure that Josh works as much as Josh pretends to work. Um, He seems to be around a lot for somebody that works, is what I'm saying. And there have definitely been times in the show and then pre-show life when I just would watch her on Snapchat that Josh was absolutely not working and she was fully supporting it. Remember that episode where he... And Mackenzie got into a fight and she was, she was like, I support you. You're basically called him like a piece of shit and said that he didn't provide anything for his family. And I remember on the podcast being like, how do you come back from that? Like, I don't, I don't know how in a marriage you can walk back from that fight because it was like so brutal and just like totally exposed every bad thing about Josh. And so I don't really believe that Josh works that much, but okay, maybe he does work, but You don't, like, there's no denying that Mackenzie's gets a lot of money from being on this show and that Josh directly benefits from being on this show. So if you don't like this show, then, like, don't benefit from it, you know? Like, you do have choices. And that's it for Mackenzie and Josh. Fuck Mackenzie, truly. I spent a long time on that, but I think it's worth it. I think it's worth talking about because I hate them. Okay, um, then Kate and Tyler come out. It's a pretty boring segment. Um, I think in a way that's good, though, because it speaks well to Caitlin and Tyler's life that they really don't have anything to talk about. I, I've always said that, like, a big part of me being in recovery is, like, how boring my life is, but it's actually good because there used to be, like, my life was, like, always, like, in full destruction. Like, I always had drama. I always had something going on. Like, there was always a fire I had to put out, something I had to fix. You have to hear about this and this and this. And, like, that just isn't the case anymore in my life. And I think that, like, that's where Kate and Tyler are, which is good. It's a good place to be. 
they basically talk about the anxiety that Kate had around the early stages of marriage or uh, pregnancy. She's like, you know, I was just, I think, normal worry that she was going to miscarry for somebody that had, has had a couple miscarriages and has anxiety. She said, but beyond that, she feels good now. They talk about the letter that she wrote Carly, which I don't know how I feel about this. So she says she wrote Carly a letter, basically just, like, giving her an update on their life and asking Carly about school and, like, what her favorite subjects are. It sounded fine and appropriate. Um, She said that she included paper and, like, envelopes and stamps in case Carly wants to write back. Fine. Okay. I'm, like, on board. I'm on board. And then she's like, I think I'm just going to keep writing to her every month, even if she doesn't write back. And that's where I'm like, do you, do you think that's a good idea? Also, like, she hasn't done that because that film, <laughs> that scene was filmed in, like, December, November, right? Like, because she had that miscarriage around Thanksgiving and this reunion was filmed in, like, February or March. So she hasn't actually done that, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, but I don't know. I think that the initial one is fine. And I think if you don't hear back, then you should leave it alone. She does reveal, though, that Carly and Nova FaceTime with one another, which I think is nice. Um, Nova recently, for the first time, brought up adoption and asked why Carly didn't live with them, which I think is makes sense. And she's like, we just explained it to her and we're honest to her, which I, I think is great. I mean, this is a big part of Nova's life and it's always going to be a part of Nova's life. And so I think it's good that they're just like being real with her about it. Then Tyler comes out and he looks crazy. I mean, first of all, Kate's makeup was <laughs> that blush. Ooh, that was truly something else. It was not, uh, it was not great. Her hair looked good. Her outfit looked okay. That makeup though. Tyler comes out and fooled uh, Dwayne Johnson in that turtleneck picture. Like his turtleneck is absolutely a size too small. He looks like he's like about to flex out of it. It's very tight around his neck. <laughs> And you know what? I thought Tyler was actually okay with the things that he said about Brandon and Teresa. There's obviously shit going on with them. I, it's hard for me to feel too bad for Caitlin and Tyler because I remember them being like an hour and a half late to meet up with Carly the last time they were allowed to see her. (laughs) You know, like they say a lot of stuff, but they don't seem to put a lot of effort into stuff. But Tyler, I thought made a good point, which was, He's like, we're almost 30 and we still feel like the inferior ones in this relationship. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They still feel like Brandon and Teresa, well, Brandon and Teresa do hold all the cards. But I get what he's saying where he wants to have a more, like, relationship where Brandon and Teresa treat them like adults. I think that's probably not really what's going on. I also think probably part of that is just the dynamics have never totally been healthy between them. I remember talking about this on the episode I did on their 16 Pregnant way back when. I think I did that in May 2017, I happen to remember. And I talked about the fact that, like, it was very clear to me that Kate and Tyler had, like, they probably didn't know anyone that wore a suit to work. Like, they didn't know anyone that lived in a house like Brandon and Teresa and drove cars like Brandon and Teresa. And Brandon and Teresa just, like, represented this life that was so inaccessible to them and so I think they've always been in, like, this very unequal position as far as, like, Brandon and Teresa are the grown-ups and we're not. And now Kate and Tyler are grown-ups. And I, 
get what Tyler's saying, but at the same time, it's like, I don't really know what they want. I don't really get what Tyler wants from them. He says he feels like he has to edit everything that he says and that he can't just be himself around them. But when he's saying that, is what he's talking, like, I don't get what he's talking about, I guess. I think, I think he's talking about when Brandon and Teresa told him to stop talking about Carly on TV and he wouldn't. And if that's the case, it's like, dude, you can talk about what you want. They just don't want it to be on camera. And I think that's a big issue for Tyler is that he doesn't like that they're trying to control what he can say and when he can say it. But I think as far as Brandon and Teresa go, they're not really trying to control what he can say. They just ask that they not really talk about their daughter on camera, um, which I think that they've definitely stopped talking about her nearly as much. I do think that Kate and Tyler have a right to talk about her as far as their relationship with her and their feelings towards her because that is their story. But I get why Brandon and Teresa were like, please don't post her on social media. Stop talking about her as much. I think that's a fair request and I think that Tyler is a asshole in a lot of ways right like I think Tyler's an asshole in a lot of ways and I think that Tyler thinking that he he should be able to talk about whatever he wants whenever he wants to because Tyler's really immature in a lot of ways I think that's the word that I'm looking for he is an asshole, but he's also very immature. And I think he's having a little bit of a temper tantrum. Like, well, if I can't talk about Carly when I want to talk about her, then I'm not going to talk about her at all. Like, I think that's where he is. And I think if you ask Brandon and Teresa, they'd be like, that's not what we're asking for. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, that isn't what we need. Like, we weren't asking you to never talk about her, never talk to her. We were just asking you specifically to limit this type of communication. But I think Tyler is very short-sighted and stubborn and unable to see that. And I think uh, I think Caitlin particularly knows this, which is why she, like, repeatedly has been like, okay, well, you do you and I'm going to do me. <laughs> you know, like, she's been really big into that, like, you make your choices, I'm going to make my choices because I think she's like, well, he can be stubborn, but I don't, I, I am not stubborn. I don't think Kate's a stubborn person at all. And she's not really choosing her life to live, living, choosing to live that way. And I think that's the right choice for her. I think it's smart that she is being like, okay, Tyler can dig his heels in here and I'm just going to have my own relationship with them because I don't feel the way that he feels. That's Kate maturing, in my opinion, feeling like she can separate herself from Tyler. I just don't really get Tyler's grief, I guess. I wonder if something happened in person that we're not privy to. It doesn't, I don't know. I think, I think in a lot of ways, Tyler just feels very insecure still around Brandon and Teresa and carries that like wonderment he had towards them when he was a teen for the type of life they have when really financially, they're probably on par with Brandon and Teresa or making more money than them. Tyler and Kate make a lot of fucking money. Now they owe a lot of fucking money. <laughs> I would imagine Brandon and Teresa have a little less debt than Caitlin and Tyler have. <laughs> They're probably not a million dollars in the hold of the IRS. But, like, as far as making money, Kate and Tyler might even make more than them at this point. Um, but I think Tyler just still feels really super insecure around them. I did appreciate the fact that when Dr. Drew is like, okay, so what do you want to say? If you could say something to Brandon and Teresa right now, what would you say? Tyler, I thought, was great here. He did not take Drew's bait. The, he Obviously, Drew was laying the bait here, right? And Tyler was like, 
what I would say is thank you so much for giving my daughter the life that she deserves and for raising her. Uh, I'm so grateful for you. I have so much gratitude for them. Um, and he's like, I just, you know, I'm he like he really emphasizes the gratefulness, which I thought was great. And then he's like, I just can't change who I am or how I talk. And it's like, well, you can change how you talk. You can, you can change that. You know, like changing how you talk doesn't mean that you change who you are. And this is why I think that this is like not truly based in reality and that this is Tyler's insecurities talking when he's like, I can't change who I am. So don't ask me to change who I am. I just feel like Brennan and Teresa like don't care that much about Tyler that they're like demanding that much from him. I think that this is like, something that Tyler has worked up in his head that probably isn't really based in reality. And he should work that out in therapy. You know, he should work that out in therapy. He does acknowledge that it's hard now because he is in the position of raising children. So I think he has more of an understanding of Brandon and Teresa being Carly's parents. I do think that that is something that has happened for Tyler and Kate. That's really good. You know, now that they are full-time parenting to soon to be three children. And Nova's like a whole person with a whole personality and Veda's getting older. Like, I think that they understand more now that like T Brandon and Teresa are Carly's parents and that they are like raise her. They are fully responsible for her. They get to make all of the rules because they, they understand how they feel about Nova and Veda, right? Have you noticed they never talk about Veda? <laughs> Veda is not a word on their lips. I'm sure it's just a TV thing and it's because Nova talks and Veda doesn't, right? Like Veda's still a toddler. I think she's only two. I think she just turned two. Maybe she's a little older, but she's still little. So I that's why, but they really don't talk about old Veda Luma very much. I just saw Luna as like the number one trending name and then I laughed and was like, why did they name her Luma? with an M and not Luna. Veda Luna is a cute name. Veda Luma is bizarre. <laughs> Although you guys all know famously, I do not believe that last or middle names are real or matter. So that's it. That's a wrap for Kate and Tyler for this season. And let's talk about Christina coming out and then we'll do the Edwards McKinney fight. So Christina comes out. We find out that Christina didn't want to come out with Amber earlier, which I find interesting. I understand why, but I found interesting because I think that Christina can hold her own. And I also, mm, this isn't really a compliment when I say this. <laughs> I think Christina's a little bit of like a whipping post and that she, uh, or like a punching bag and that she can really take it. Um, and I would imagine that she could take Amber yelling at her, but Amber is also such a loose cannon that I would imagine she was like, I, I don't really want to deal with that. Um, so Dr. Drew tries to do a gotcha moment with her where he's like, you know, don't you get that like Amber feels insecure that you love Leah so much. And like if somebody did that for and like Leah loves you so much and she feels like and pushed out from it. And wouldn't you feel that way? Like if somebody had that role in one of your daughter's lives and Christina hit him with one punch, but she should have hit him with this second punch, too. What she says is like, well, my oldest daughter has a stepmom that she loves and I'm so happy for her. And like the more people that love her, the better. What she should have said to Dr. Drew is, I will never be in that position because I'm there for my kids. Because that's the truth of it, right? Like this idea that Christina 
could ever be in Amber's position is just laughable because she raises her children. She picks them up and like Chris, Christina is in a situation of a co-parenting situation, right? Like her oldest daughter lives, I think, the small majority of time with her dad. I believe that's the case. I think he has primary custody, but they have like they essentially 50-50 split her time is my understanding. And like Christina's in that situation and she's still not Amber because she's still 100% a parent to that daughter, right? Like she is still in her daughter's life. She's fully invested in her daughter's life. She has her half of the time. So Christina doesn't need to worry about her daughter like having another mom because she knows her place and she's confident in her place. And somebody couldn't take that position. That position can only be taken if you remove yourself from it, right? Like if Amber was there, Christina wouldn't be what she is to Leah. She would be beloved, I'm sure, and they would get along and she'd be like, they would all be happy, but she wouldn't be Leah's mom if Amber was Leah's mom. She would be a set mom, a bonus mom, whatever, a second mom. Everybody's glad that she's there, but like Christina didn't do anything to push Amber out. Like this is all a mess of Amber's own making. And so for Drew to be like, well, wouldn't you feel bad if that happened? It's like, well, Christina will never know what that feels like because she will never be in that position. She wouldn't do that to her kids. And that's the bottom line. And Dr. Dr. Drew, like, I think what it is is that Amber always gives, like, good reunion showings and that, like, she's always willing to, like, flip out a little bit in the way that MTV likes. And I think he also knows that Gary, like, can really take it. So he goes hard defending Amber, I think, in a way that because he reads, like, their dynamics that he needs to suck up for Amber to get her to participate in anything. And you can be like, hey, Gary, you're a fucking asshole. And Gary will be like, <laughs> I mean, look, was I an asshole? Yeah, but am I now? No, like Gary, everything rolls right off that man's back. Right. So I think that's kind of part of why they do this. But, you know, Christina is they Nessa, I thought was being very nice. I really liked Nessa in this segment because she was like, what? I don't like why are you specifically mad at Amber? And Christina's look, like, look, I'm upset that she made allegations against Gary saying that he tried to cheat with her. She has not apologized to me. She's like, she apologized to Gary, but she didn't apologize to me. I think that's very fair. Um, Then they have an interesting conversation. Christina's like crying during this, by the way. Like, I feel for Christina here because I, that's the thing, like, Christina's hurt where Amber is angry. And that's the difference between them, right? Like, Christina's hurt that she has poured her life into treating Leah as her own daughter and raising Leah. And Amber's mad at her for it. And Amber is trying to fuck her family up. Like, Christina isn't even angry at Amber. She's hurt by Amber. And I think that speaks directly to them because Amber doesn't necessarily care about any of this, right? Like, that... I don't think Amber really cares that much that Christina is raising Leah. If Amber cared, she'd be doing more to raise her. Like that, that's the bottom line, right? Like, and I do think that most of this, a lot of this is because of her mental health issues. And once again, you know, Amber has the, what's the word I'm looking for? Has the, like, why, the money, the opportunity. I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but. She has the ability to go get help and she doesn't and she really doesn't treat her mental health problems and 
she could make changes. She's just not making changes. And as I talked about last week, the hardest part about mental illness is that like, it's so, you are miserable, but it's easier to say miserable than it is to change and be happier. And I think that's definitely where Amber is. And that, but that's why I'm like, okay, Amber, like, I don't feel that, that bad for her because she's not putting in any effort to try and make anything better. Resources, the word I'm looking for. I don't know why that didn't come to me earlier. So Gary talks about how after the show, like everything was good. Then out of the blue, they get a phone call of an Amber screaming at him. And they're like, wait, what? (laughs) Then the show airs. They see why she's mad. And he's like, well, you know, then she got online. And I thought this was interesting he's like she got online and every comment was a hate comment and they were all talking about how much they love christina and that really messes with her head of course it does which is why it's wild that amber sits on instagram live all day just like i honestly think instagram is uh amber self-harming herself right like she it's her version of self-harm i think and that's why she was doing very well when she was off instagram and then the minute she gets back on instagram like everything spirals out of control That's not really surprising to me. Um, I think that she's obviously going to Instagram to harm herself. So that's speaking to like badness going on in the rest of her life. If she's like desiring to feel that way. I really do believe that. It's like if I go to read my fucking podcast reviews, that's self-harm. Like that, that's self-harming myself. And there are like a couple things that I can do that, I mean, I'm not like a cutter. I don't cut myself. I never have been. But, and I think we all do have these things, right? Like there are things that I can do that when I'm in a bad mood and I'm in a bad place, I start doing as a way to like further that bad feeling that I have. Um, And like binge eating can definitely be that, like eating specific food that I know is going to make me feel bad, but it will feel like really good in the moment. So I don't even care, but like I'm spiraling. So everything's bad. Like there are definitely things that most of us, especially those of us with mental health issues do where we're in a bad place to make us feel worse. And I think Amber's version of self-harm is Instagram. And I think it speaks to like how badly the rest of her life is going if she's on there like she is. And yeah, I'm sure that is really upsetting. And I thought it was nice that Gary acknowledged it. He's like, you know, she was off for a while. Now she's back on it and it's bad. And then Dr. Drew goes, Do you, what's going on with Amber? Do you guys think she's depressed? What? <laughs> fuck is he talking about do we think amber is depressed yeah dr drew amber's depressed what the fuck she's depressed but she also has a mood disorder and a personality disorder bipolar is a mood disorder right i'm pretty sure it is if it's not please forgive me but i think it is like yeah amber's depressed amber also has a lot of issues (laughs) Drew's like, guys, what's up with that? Weird, right? Like, it's weird. That's like something that you say to your friend that like about your friend when they're normally like so engaged and like into everything. And then you notice they kind of drop off. They're not really participating. You go to your friend. You're like, you think Carrie's a little depressed? What's going on with Carrie? Is she a little depressed? Should we call her and see what's up? The way that he said that so casually honestly made me laugh out loud. Like, Drew, are you fucking kidding you guys think Amber's a little depressed? <laughs> Gary was like, yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Um, I think that the big crux of this is that 
Chris, Amber has not apologized to Christina. I think the reality is, is Christina is going to accept Amber's apology whenever it comes because uh, Christina's a punching bag. And I think that Christina sacrifices a lot for herself, for Gary and Leah. Uh, unfortunate amount of herself for Gary and Leah, to be honest. Um, I don't think it's the healthiest way to live, but this is the way that she's choosing to live. And I think as soon as Amber's ready to come back around and say sorry, they're going to forgive her. Because I think they feel like, what other choice do we have? And I, I get that. Um, they also say that Christina's like, I think Leah, if it wasn't for us, Leah would throw in the town, not want to have a relationship with her at all. Which I'm sure Amber was thrilled to see. <laughs> okay, let's bring this on home with the Edwards-McKinney fallout of the fight. As you'll remember, it ended last week with... Larry being like, there Taylor goes, running his mouth. That's what happened a few years ago when he called up Ryan. And Taylor's like, when he threatened to put a fucking bullet in my head that time, you hear Macy go, we have we have it recorded. And so now we're like back in this episode. So Jen is like, so play the recording. And Macy's like, we played the recording to the judge. She's like, that's how we got the restraining order. Ryan pled guilty to it. I think Macy's like, are we seriously back here? Because that's how I feel. Like, we're seriously back here? Really? Really? Because it really doesn't matter what Taylor said to Ryan. It's not okay or appropriate to tell someone you're going to put a bullet in their head. You're not allowed to do that, baby. And I know that Jen knows that he did that. I know it. I know it. So, um, Jen is like, you're... Because, remember, Drew had told Taylor that he's not putting Bentley first. So now she's, like, parroting that. She's like, you're not putting Bentley first. You're not putting Bentley first. And Taylor and Macy are up like walking away she's like I have never guilt tripped Bentley and Macy who I thought they had like totally walked off stage you hear Macy go that's not true Jen you know that's not true we all know that's not true and they're talking about the things that they say to Bentley and they're Larry and Jen are like how do we guilt trip him how do we guilt trip him and Taylor's like how about when you say to Benny we can't have a party without your dad when it's Bentley's birthday absolutely of course they guilt trip Bentley of course they do and, oh, God, they're in such denial. They're in such denial. Um, Taylor screams, put the kids first. Stop putting that sorry excuse for a human first. Woof. Woof. And he walks away in his things that matter jean jacket. <laughs> I'm going to use that as the picture for the Instagram post this week. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, that fucking jean jacket. Speaking of things that matter, Macy decided to put up on her little Instagram or her little shop site some shirts that things that matter is selling the first one i saw is hashtag petty bitch with a star for the eye and then under it it says things that matter i saw that and i was like okay i mean fine like is that funny sure okay like i i wouldn't buy that but like macy has fans it's just poking fun at like her and Mackenzie. it's not you know what i mean like it's a that, like, it's lame. Like, I thought that was lame because that's, like, my personal taste. I think shit like that is lame. But it was nothing to even talk about, right? Like, I would not have posted that. Then, then, no, it didn't stop there, guys. We get a hashtag Team Taylor. Okay, um, I, I guess. That's weird. I'm not really sure who would wear that. I think at least the hashtag Petty Bitch is, like, funny, right? <laughs> For some people. 
This is why I'm, like, so hesitant to do merch because I think everything is so fucking corny. Like, every... I, like, my default mode is thinking something's fucking corny, so that's why I'm, like, really hesitant to get merch, because I need to do it in a way that's not corny. Some people have had really fucking funny ideas. Um, I really want to do just, like, a shirt that says yikes on it somehow. Um, basically, I want all of my merch to be what one could consider an inside joke, in that you would not understand that it's merch, and you would have to, like, kind of ask what it's about. Somebody also suggested I should do, like, mugs or canvas tote that says, um, absolutely unhinged, I think was the, something with unhinged, which I thought was very funny. Um, I like that word, unhinged, as you guys know, and I thought that would be, like, a funny canvas tote, or, well, she thought it would be a funny canvas tote or mug, and I agreed with her. But, like, that's the type of stuff that I want to do, like, I can't imagine, like, trying to put funny sayings on a shirt, like, it's just not really me, you know? Um, by the way, I still have, like, not looked into how to actually do this. This is still very, very early stages. The idea of, like, actually doing this makes me feel overwhelmed and just want to take a nap because that's the kind of person I am. But I am off school for a month, so I should, if I'm going to do this, I should probably figure it out soon so I can get it up and running in that time. I mean, my understanding is it's not that hard to do it because a lot of people do it. And I also have close friends that could absolutely help me with this. Um, but I, I, it just feels, sometimes, here's my thing, here's how my anxiety works. Instead of being a perfectionist, when something seems hard, I just don't want to ever think about it again. And, like, this is where, uh, I, I, I just, it's just hard for me to think about hard things, basically, is what I'm saying. I feel very overwhelmed very easily. Okay, so, Team Taylor. Okay, weird, but sure. Also one that says Team Bentley. Are you fucking kidding me? That is so beyond inappropriate. It is so beyond inappropriate. That's your child whose dad is probably going to die from a heroin overdose. You are fighting with his beloved grandparents. He no longer feels like he can really have a relationship with his beloved grandparents who have helped raise him who he loves very much. He loves his grandparents. You know, he's angry at his grandparents right now, but he loves them. It's why he wanted to go over there for Larry's birthday. Like when Macy's like, oh, you want to go over there? He's like, yeah, of course. Like he loves Jen and Larry. And as somebody that had a lot of drama in their family as a child, like their extended family, I know how hard it is when um, all the adults hate each other and you're not sure how to navigate that. It's very, very hard. And so like I kind it's a little different what I went through, but not that different in some ways. Um, and I know how hard of a position that is for Bentley to be in. And well, I don't like mine was less severe because it didn't involve a parent. And I don't know. It's a whole thing. Look, read my memoir one day, right? <laughs> it's like I could never write. I'm not a good. I'm good at academic writing, but I'm not good at creative writing. So I could never write a memoir. Maybe I'll do an I'll do a spoken word memoir. I'll just put out 10 hour long podcasts on situations that happened to me. It'll be my audiobook. <laughs> I saw that the read um Kid for Kid Fury and Crystal got a like a album deal from Issa Rae's uh album record company that she has. I don't know, watching Issa go from awkward black girls to fucking like making 40 million dollars or however much it was from HBO and like having her own record label is so incredible but Kid Fury and Crystal got in they're gonna do a comedy album which I think is pretty cool and 
I'm not like I saw someone was like, oh, if they do it well, they could get nominated for a Grammy. I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Good for them. And then I was like, not thinking about if I would do a comedy album. I was just like, maybe I should record an audiobook. <laughs> no, that would be a lot of work. You couldn't do that. Um, where was I? Oh, so like, this is not a Team Bentley situation. Me being on Team Bentley means I'm not buying that fucking shirt. It means I'm not engaging with any of this bullshit, Macy. And this bullshit that you want us to do. Does Bentley know about these shirts? It's really inappropriate. It's just really, it's really, really gross. And they're not putting Bentley first when they do that. So you know what? I guess I am on Jen and Larry's side. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> but as far as like Macy not being perfect and Macy doing things, like if I saw that shirt and I was Jen and Larry, I'd be like, what the fuck? I mean, I feel that way as me, Liz Bentley. So although also when I post that, people thought it was me announcing my merch. Could you imagine? I do Team Bentley and Team Taylor shirts. Reminds me, remember the Team LC and Team Kristen shirts from Laguna Beach days? Oh, God. What a throwback. I remember a girl at my school had a Team Kristen shirt, and I was like, who would be Team Kristen? And now as an adult, it's like, I can't believe I was such a fucking idiot that I was on Lauren Conrad's side on Laguna Beach when she, like, stole somebody's boyfriend. And I didn't realize how great Kristen was in those scenes. What a dum-dum I was as a teenager. Okay, so Taylor and Macy walk off. Taylor's screaming. Um, Jen is like really crying and Dr. Drew goes, there's a lot of hurt here. And Jen is like, yeah, it seems like they're hurt. And Dr. Drew's like, you're hurt too. And Macy screams, yeah, for your son. I think she's trying to say like hurt by your son. Taylor's screaming. Then they leave. Drew is like, and I thought this, Drew actually handled this one well. Drew says to them, he's like, did you guys see all of the stuff that Ryan said, because I understand that you don't always see everything. Like, you know, they film these reunions before all the episodes are out. He's like, they had, that uh, Taylor had just seen all of that footage when he came out on stage. And that's why he was so heated. That I thought was a really good and interesting point. I think what happened was because if you go and then watch the dad special, that was obviously filmed first. And um, Taylor is like, totally calm, cool, collected. Like he is not worked up at all. What I personally think happens is they go backstage, they drink a little more. Do I think Macy and Taylor were drunk for this? Yeah, because I think they're always drunk, right? Like that's just my truth that Macy and Taylor are fucking drunk a lot. I actually did not think he was slurring. I was like closely, closely listening to hear if I thought that he was slurring his words, but I'm sure that they went backstage, they had some beers get a little loosey-goosey, and then production was like, okay, we want to show you some clips before you guys go out on stage. And it's like a super cut of Ryan calling Macy a bitch. (laughs) So Taylor's fucking heated, and Drew was like, did you see the stuff that Ryan said? And Jen is like, this season or 10 years ago? And Drew's like, no, not 10 years ago, this season right now. And they're like, okay, tell us, tell us, but it's not our fault. And they didn't get into it. Like, I don't know. Drew should have been like, he called Macy a bitch repeatedly. And Taylor was really upset. But I think everybody was probably just too worked up to do this. Um, Ta- Larry's like, you don't think, you don't think they say stuff about us. They say they bend over backwards for us. You think that we don't bend over backwards for them. Um, Larry's like, I saw so much crow for them. This is when Jen is like, stop, please stop. And Dr. Drew is like, I think Taylor is really angry at Ryan. And Jen says, 
the wildest thing that I could ever imagine anybody saying. And you guys know that I have given Jen so much leeway. <laughs> like, you know, I'm the only person in the Team Mom universe that's been like, guys, I feel really bad for Jen and Larry. When everybody else is like calling for their heads, I'm like over here crying about how bad that I feel for Jen, like literally sitting on this mic crying about it. And Jen has the audacity, the audacity to say, is he mad or is he jealous? Bitch of what? What would Taylor be jealous of? I, I, I wish Drew had said of what? Because I want to know like what she was implying. Like maybe Taylor's jealous that he's not actually Bentley's dad, like his biological father, which I guess would be true, right? Like I think that I'm sure Taylor wishes that he was Bentley's biological father so that Bentley didn't have to deal with Ryan in his life. When Jen said that, I was like, what? Like, the fact that Dr. Drew didn't go, excuse me? What would he be jealous of? Taylor has a wife wife that he loves, three children that he sees all the time and has custody of. He seems to have a pretty good life. Like, I do not, he, and he's not an IV heroin user, you know? <laughs> Drew goes, not jealous. <laughs> Oh, this is when they talk about all the stuff that Larry had seen, excuse me, that Taylor had seen. And Jen's like, okay, so let us see it. And Larry's like, we don't have a clue. And this is when they're like, we're, we're not responsible for what Ryan says, which is true. But they have to understand that, like, Ryan's impact, like, Ryan's actions do affect them. Then Jen starts sobbing and she's done. She's done with this show. She's done with it all. And that's it for this week's episode. Are you angry or are you jealous? Is he angry or jealous? That is a an absolutely wild take. Anyway, I hope everybody has a good week. You should subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. I have some good shit up there and I'm going to continue to have some good shit. But, and remember, first of the month is a good time to sign up for Patreons. And so, with that, I should say bye and I will talk to everyone next week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.